Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To know that the racism and the systemic racism endemic in America is painstakingly true. Well, a big push today in the effort to eradicate systemic racism. We know that systemic racism exists across many institutions. Stark reality of systemic racism. Systemic racism. Not systemic racism. Systemic racism. Systemic racism. The left's two new favorite words. Systemic, systemic racism. racism. Oh, you haven't heard? The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. The left wants you desperately to believe America has a major race problem. And to push this fallacy, they are using three big lies. Lie number one. Now is the time to hold racist and corrupt police officers and police departments accountable for their actions. Lie number two. Opponents argue it will only suppress the vote, especially in black communities. It is racist not to vocally, strongly oppose attempts to suppress um, the vote of black Americans. For example, what's happening in Georgia. Lie number three. Improving uh, equity in this country is central to his presidency. This is a race equity problem. Americans from sea to shining sea are being deluged with these talking points from our leaders to the press. But here's the thing. They're all lies. And tonight, I will show you why. I'll give you the stats. I'll give you the tools you need to debate these falsehoods in your own communities, with your own family, with your friends, with your kids. Because the only way we'll combat the left's dangerous, unprecedented power grab is with the truth. Tonight, race baiters be damned. Three big lies about racism debunked. Hello, America, and welcome to the program. Tonight, I want to ask you if you will watch this with your kids. And I want to say right up front, everything I say here is open to be fact-checked. Please fact-check it. Please do it yourself. Don't rely on some other fact-checker. Follow the follow the ball and fact check yourself. And if I'm wrong, I will admit it. You can write to me and I will openly admit it. I'll make it the first thing that we do on the broadcast. I want to make sure it's right. We've worked hard over the last couple of weeks to make sure that we have it right. The one thing we will not do is if you disagree with you, uh, if we disagree with you or you disagree with me, we will not try to silence you. That's the difference. Anyone who has their facts and they're comfortable in their facts will not try to silence other people because they know the truth eventually sets you free. Now, a message to the parents. If you don't start speaking the truth, our country, our freedom, and the freedom of the Western world and indeed the entire world will slip between our fingers. And I believe we'll be held eternally responsible 
for everything that happens because we did not do our job. And our job is to just stand up and declare the truth. So let's get to it. Racism is everywhere, right? Well, not actual racism, the terrible kind that has existed in America in the past and from time to time still exists in America and all around the world today. The racism that we're talking about now is more of the boogeyman kind, which Democrats, academia, and the media perpetuate for reasons that I'm guessing only their psychiatrists or a radical revolutionary can explain. I want you to understand the lies that are being told are to divide us. They are to destroy the traditional family and relationships because you can conquer once you divide. The only thing that will bring us together is the truth. And now that critical race theory has permeated everything from government down to your local elementary school, some big lies about systematic racism in America have taken root. And tonight I want to look to three of these. The first one is the lie that policing in the U.S. is thoroughly racist. There is a growing police crisis in America. Unfortunately, it's not the one uh, that the left wants you to believe. And we'll get to that crisis in a few minutes. But first, I want you to really listen to what the president of the United States said, not just to the people of America, but to the entire world after the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. It was a murder in the full light of day and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the vice president just referred to. There was systemic racism that's a stain on our nation's soul. <clears throat> the knee on the neck of justice for black Americans. Profound fear and trauma. The pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. Enough. Enough. Enough of this senseless killings. I agree. And everyone, everyone that I know agrees that George Floyd's death was preventable, horrible, and excessive force was used. But to clarify, he was not charged with murder. He, it was not intentional murder. Murder in the second degree in Minneapolis is like uh, manslaughter, everyone else. So that word may have been out there, but it's not what everybody thinks. And by the way, even the attorney general said there is no evidence, no evidence that Chauvin was motivated by race. So why is this systemic racism? For the past year, this incident has been portrayed as typical of America's racist police forces, So is it typical? Because if it is, it's trouble. It's not even close. There are 800,000 active police officers, give or take, in the United States. Those 800 men and women make over 10 million arrests per year. Over 7 million of those arrested suspects are whites, by the way. So whites are committing most of the crime. Police, yes, have shot and killed about a thousand individuals per year over the last four years. Forty one percent of those were white. Twenty two percent were black. However, even The Washington Post admits that, quote, the overwhelming majority of people killed are armed, unquote. And these armed confrontations do not come without a price for the police. They pay it now in the courtrooms, in the media, but last year, 
Last year alone, 306 police officers were killed in the line of duty. If I'm not mistaken, last year, my last count was nine. We don't have the official numbers, but nine African-Americans were killed. The Washington Post says that in 20, uh, 2019, the official number was 13. Let's say it was 25. Let's say it's 50. There are tens of millions of African-Americans and only 800 police officers, 800,000 police officers. 306, 306 police officers, 25 African-Americans. 2019, there were over 56,000 assaults on police officers, resulting in over 17,000 injuries. Do you hear that number? But the president said, enough of this senseless killings. And he's right. Senseless killings do have to stop. But there's a huge blind spot on the left about senseless killings. George Floyd was a senseless killing. We all agree. Now, can we say the same thing for seven-year-old Jaslyn Adams, who was shot and killed last month while sitting in a drive through line at a McDonald's in Chicago? Or how about last July 4th weekend in Chicago, when 89 people were, were shot, 17 of them killed? 17 in one weekend. Nobody even talked about that. And the official number for the, for the year of 2019 is 13, according to the Washington Post. Senseless killings. How about this one? Later, later uh, that month in New York City, two black men opened fire at a cookout, killed a one-year-old, Deval Gardner, who was sitting in his stroller, Senseless killing, but not a word from the Democrats or BLM. Why? Because it's not about the truth, it's about power. They had plenty to say about the white cop in Columbus, Ohio, who shot and killed 16-year-old Makia Bryant as she was trying to stab another girl with a knife. Now, we're expected to believe, I guess, that if Bryant had simply stabbed the girl to death, it would have never been a national story. Well, actually, that's absolutely true, because the very same week in the same state in Cincinnati, a 13-year-old girl, black female, stabbed another 13-year-old girl to death. Did you hear about that? For BLM, the black lives that truly matter are only those that are killed by white cops. Blacks make up around 12% of the U.S. population, but one-third of state and federal prisoners are black. Okay, is that a problem? The only possible explanation, according to the left, is racism. The popular line is that most blacks are in prison for minor drug offenses. Okay, that would be a problem if it's true. But the reality is that 62% of black prisoners are serving time for violent crimes. Should there be prison reform? Sure. In fact, Donald Trump passed it with the help of Bernie Sanders and Mike Lee. Blacks between the ages of 10 and 34 are murdered 13 times the rate of whites. In 2019, 7,484 black Americans were murdered. And studies find over 90% of black homicides are committed by other blacks. 
In the FBI's latest annual crime report covering 2019, blacks committed 6,425 murders. That's more than whites and Hispanics combined. Now, despite these awful stats, politicians, Democratic leaders, continue peddling the fiction that police pose the greatest threat to black communities. I don't know, almost 7,000 murders of black people, 90% of um, done by black people, or 13 that were killed. There's not a balance here. After the Chauvin verdict, the Obamas released a statement saying, Millions of our friends, family, and fellow citizens live in fear that their next encounter with law enforcement could be their last. I have to deeply apologize if anyone has ever made you feel that way in today's America. If there is a cop that makes you feel that way, you should report it. And we should fire that police officer. But I don't believe that's true. Minnesota Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan said, I'm grappling with the stark reality. Minnesota is a place where it is not safe to be black. Is that true? The media is committed as a partner with the left in spreading the myth about racist police. Okay, we all know what happened to George Floyd was wrong. We all agree, right? You don't do that. Have you ever heard the name Tony Timpa? He was a 32-year-old man. He was on drugs. He was arrested by Dallas police in 2016. The cops pinned his shoulders, knees, and neck to the ground, not for nine minutes, for over 13 minutes, until he stopped breathing and died. The police body camera footage shows how eerily similar the whole encounter was to the George Floyd tragedy. But the national media never even covered this one. You've never heard the name Tony Timpa. Why? Tony Timpa is white. BLM, Democrats, the media, they love to repeat misleading lines that blacks are two and a half times more likely to be shot and killed by police than whites. Well, they get that number by comparing how many blacks are killed by police relative to the overall black population in the U.S. But researcher Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute points out that there is an honest way to examine this, and that is by using the crime rate. When you look and you look at the crime rates, you find that police work is really driven by data. Cops are sent where criminals are most likely active. Cops are also deployed based on requests from the community. McDonald explains, blacks in New York, uh, in New York City at least, commit over 70% of all the drive-by shootings. Now, according to the victims of and those are witnesses to those shootings. They are overwhelmingly minority themselves. You add Hispanic shootings to black shootings and you account for almost 100% of all shootings in New York City. These numbers mean that virtually every time an officer gets a shots fired call over his radio, he is being called to a minority neighborhood. On behalf of a minority victim, being given description of the suspect by a minority The cops don't wish this into being. It is forced upon them, not by the community, but by the facts of crime. McDonald finds these disparities exist all across the U.S. For example, blacks in Chicago commit around 80% of the murders. 
but make up less than a third of the population. In St. Louis, blacks commit nearly 100% of the murders, but are less than half of the population. Bringing these stats out is not meant to demonize one group of Americans. All of our communities are sick and need help. But to point out the deadly threat to blacks in America is not from the cops. You can't say that. It's also to the point of the unfortunate reality that violent crime happens disproportionately in black communities. Can we find the root of that? Police are responding to areas that summon their help. Stats don't lie like the politicians do, and yet it is still not part of the national conversation. And if somebody like me brings it up, I'm automatically a racist. That's fine. Then let's have somebody else deliver the message. Will someone on the left please listen to someone like Columbia University professor John McWhorter? Watch. And so if I just say, no, to be black is not to have to worry more about the cops. No, it's just not true is considered heretical. It's treated as heresy. It's not treated as a fact that's refutable. It's just heresy. I'm disgusted with this because it's at the point where that is the main aspect of race that we talk about. And it's all just a fake conversation. You know what he said here? Heresy. That goes back to church, religion, And that's exactly what's happening. This is a religion, and the goal is to destroy the Western way of life. The insistence by left politicians, activists, media, that America's police departments are are systematically racist is having deadly results all across the United States. After George Floyd's death in May of last year, police departments were pressured to dial back operations, and as a result, what happened? Murder rates skyrocketed. In New York City, 1,868 people were struck by bullets last year. That's a 45% increase in murders alone. Murder rates increased 95% in Milwaukee, 78% in Louisville, 74 in Seattle, 72 in Minneapolis, 62 in New Orleans, 58% in Atlanta. Eugene O'Donnell, a former New York City police officer who is now a criminal justice professor, says, quote, the reasons are quite clear. Police are paralyzed and prosecutors give excuses. It's the gold era. If you want to pick up a gun in New York City, the system won't blame on people. The word is out that the risk of carrying a gun are really negligible at this point. I will tell you, if I was caught with a gun in New York City, I'm guessing I would see federal prison for 20 years. Earlier, I told you I would get to the actual growing police crisis in America. And it's this. After months of being vilified, police officers across the nation are now leaving the force in droves and there aren't enough recruits to replace them. Who would have seen that coming? Who wants to be a police officer? I don't know the answer to that question. Police work is thankless. It's dangerous. The mistakes are glaring because they end in death. And they're much more glaring than the triumphs. The cops are not above criticism. There are bad cops. There are racists, and they should be rooted out. There is negligence, and I'm sure there's plenty of abuse. And there's also bad decisions. But with 800,000 cops in America, there are going to be those problems. That's as the same with 800,000 librarians. There's going to be a few bad ones. Reform is necessary, 
and those things are common sense and we should base them on facts. The Democrats keep saying that we have to pass this police reform bill, but it has to come apparently from the right person, not Uncle Tim, as the left labeled him last week. That's right. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott proposed police reform legislation last year. But the Senate Democrats, for some reason, filibustered the bill so it couldn't pass. Hmm, I wonder if they were against the filibuster then. What was that about Jim Crow again? And speaking of Jim Crow or Tommy Pterodactyl or whatever the president said, we go to the second big lie, voter suppression, next. So I warned you about uh, home title theft, where cyber thieves remove uh, you from your home's title. They become the owner. They take out a huge loan in your name. And then when they don't pay, paperwork is filed. They repossess the home. And one day the sheriff comes knocking on your door and saying, you're evicted, you're out. And you're like, I don't I don't even have that loan. It's no longer your house. It's no longer your house. You've got to protect your home title. Please go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address. See if you're already a victim. It could have already happened to you, but you just don't know it yet. Then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach time. Again, go to HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO. That's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. More people vote in the last presidential election than any time in American history in the middle of the worst pandemic ever. It should be celebrated. Instead, it's being attacked. I'm sorry, is it just me? Because that doesn't make any sense. More people voted than ever before, yet voting is under attack. Voting's not under attack. It's not. At least not in the way Democrats say it is. Their cry of Jim Crow in Georgia is a smokescreen. The real attack on voting is coming from Democrats in Congress. And I will get to this in a moment. And again, check all of my facts. The second of the three big lies about racism in America is the lie of voter uh, suppression. Let's get real. No one who's voting in America is being suppressed. If you want to legally cast a vote in America, you can. If you want to illegally vote in in America, I think you still probably can. Yet the Democrats put it together uh, a a very special Senate hearing to talk about this. It happened on April 20th with very special title that was worthy of a Dateline episode. They called it Jim Crow 2021, the latest assault on the right to vote. First, may I just say, please do your homework on Jim Crow. As a family, sit down after this broadcast. Look up what Jim Crow was really all about, the Jim Crow laws, and tell me if that's what we're experiencing in America. Assault, right? More people voted than ever before, but voting rights are definitely being assaulted. Democrats really know how to put the ass in assault. Sorry. They make up the problem, and the media pumps it out for them. The third thing that elevates Jim Crow to Jim Eagle, as the president said, is voter ID. To cast a vote, if you were black, in the actual Jim Crow days in South Carolina, you had to pass a Mensa-style level test with stupid brain teasers. Literally, how many windows are on the first floor of the White House? 
No one, no one's going to know that. In some places, if you somehow get past the test, you then had to pay a poll tax before you could vote. That's Jim Crow. But that's not what's happening today. That's Jim Eagle. And Jim Eagle wants you to have to show a photo ID. Well, when I walk into a liquor store, I have to show an ID. I open up a bank account. I have to show an ID. Nobody has a problem with that. The ignoring of reality is a speciality of the left. And when the reality um, comes anywhere close to voter ID, the reality is this. Most Americans of all races support it. In a 2016 Gallup poll, 80 percent of Americans overall supported voter ID. I don't think we could agree on anything at 80 percent now. Ninety five percent of Republicans, 63 percent of Democrats, 81 percent of whites and 77 percent of non-whites. The most recent Rasmussen polling on voter ID finds 75% of likely voters support ID laws because we're willing to accept a loss if it's fair and honest. 89% of Republicans, 60% of Democrats, 74% of whites, 69% of blacks are also in favor. 60% say voter ID laws are not discriminatory. 36 states now have voter ID laws, so it's no wonder the Democrats think America is systematically uh, racist. That's a ton of Jim Crow to eat. And yet a study released in 2019 by the National Bureau of Economic Research looked at U.S. elections from 2008 and 2018 and concluded that, quote, the voter ID laws have, quoting, no negative effect on registration or turnout overall, or for any group defined by race, gender, age, or party affiliation, end quote. Hmm. The study found, actually, that Hispanic voter turnout somehow or another actually increased in states that require voter ID. Okay, but that's Hispanic voters. Surely black voters have been totally disenfranchised with this diabolical new version of a poll tax asking for some identification. Yeah, the stats don't back that up either. In fact, Georgia was one of the first states in the nation to implement a voting ID requirement. But even back in the old days of 2012, blacks voted at a higher rate than whites nationwide, including in Georgia. After the 2018 midterm election, the U.S. Census Bureau reported that voter turnout increased 11 percent from the previous midterm election in 2014. Voter turnout surpassed 50% for the first time in the midterm election since 1982. The report found voter turnout went up among all voting age and all major racial and ethnic groups. That doesn't seem like Jim Eagle. Georgia, right? I mean, you know, for two years, Stacey Abrams has been blaming her loss in the 2018 governor's race on voter suppression. But actually, Democratic primary numbers don't support that. In the 2016 Democratic primary, 310,000 votes were cast. In the 2018 Democratic primary for governor, over 550,000 people voted. In the 2020 Democratic Senate primary, there was also 1.2 million votes. Now, I'm no mathematician, although I am a doctor, but it seems like some major growth in voter turnout for the Democrats. Kind of the exact opposite of voter suppression. 
Of course, it also helps that despite having a Republican majority legislature, Georgia was one of the states last year that mailed every registered voter an absentee ballot application because of COVID. Still, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, and just about every other Democrat on the national stage insist that Georgia and other states are suppressing voters. How? In reality, black voter registration has increased more than any other group in Georgia since 2016. One of the less mantras is to always say, believe the science. Well, okay, let's look at the numbers. The Democrats are lying about voter suppression. The joke is that the Atlanta, uh, the Atlantic admitted, um, they said, although Democrats like to call out Republicans for trying to suppress voting, the states they control in the Northeast make casting a ballot more difficult than anywhere else. You see, this is all about control and power and the destruction of your belief in police officers and the voting system in this case. Let me take one example. President Biden's home state of Delaware. The new Georgia voting law allows four weeks of early voting before Election Day. Delaware has no early in-person voting. Georgia allows no excuse absentee voting. Delaware doesn't. Which one is Jim Eagle staying at? Earlier, I said we'd get back to where we were on the real attack, where it's really coming from on voting. It's this. It's H.R. 1 for the People Act that House Democrats passed without a single Republican vote. It is a jaw-dropping anti-constitutional attempt to federalize control of elections nationwide. It is dangerous no matter what party you are in. It is a blatant power grab. Remember, the Constitution clearly says the individual states have the power, the only power, to administer their own elections. Among other things, H.R. 1 would override state voting laws and get rid of voter ID requirements. It would impose ballot harvesting, which allows a political operative to go door, by, to go door to door and say, hey, can I collect your absentee ballot? It would force states to use automatic voter registration, which would place every, even non-citizen, on the voter rolls. It would mandate online voter registration and same-day registration, and it would ban witness signature or notarization requirements for absentee ballots. Come on, man. Basically, everything Democrats changed about voting last year because of the pandemic, they now want to make it permanent by federal law. This cannot happen. The bill now goes to the Senate where Chuck Schumer plans to move it through because, listen to this, Make no mistake, democracy reform must be a top priority of this Congress. Democracy reform must be a top priority of this Congress. The fundamental transformation of America is here. On that note, one more big lie we need to talk about, and that is the lie of equity. Next. I had somebody over at our house. In fact, um, Uno was getting his, uh, his hair done. A uh, big truck comes pulling up and he gets a bubble bath. And the person who uh, was uh, coming in, and she had Uno there, and she said, how old is he? We said it, he's nine, which is old for a German shepherd. 
And she said, he does not look nine. His hair is so great. His eyes, he, just, he looks like he's three. I said, yeah, I know. It's rough greens. It's chock full of minerals and vitamins and probiotics and omega oils, all the things your dog needs to be healthy. Uno is a different dog since we started feeding him rough greens. Please, just try it with your dog. If your dog doesn't like it, they don't want you to spend a lot of money to get a big bag of rough greens. They want to send you a special bag of rough greens. You just call and get the free bag of rough greens for your dog to try out. All you pay is for shipping. You just go to roughgreens.com slash Beck, or you can call them right now at 833-GLEN-33, 833-GLEN-N-33. You call them, they'll send it to you. If your dog likes it as much as Uno does, order the bigger bag, and I'm telling you, one or two months, and you are going to see a massive difference in your dog. We have a giant opportunity to bend the arc of the moral universe toward justice, real justice. And with the plans outlined tonight, We have a real chance to root out systemic racism that plagues America and American lives in other ways. A chance to deliver real equity. Equity. Really important world. Not equality. Equity. On the surface, equity sounds pretty good because it sounds like its cousin, equality. But they are definitely not the same. Look it up. The concept of equality protects each individual. In America, this comes from the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, the truth that all men are created equal, something that we've never met but should always strive for. Equity, however, is concerned with each group receiving the same outcome as every other group. This means giving certain identity groups privileges to correct what some authority believes to be an imbalance. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, I thought so, because it's Karl Marx. Equity is being touted as a superior form of fairness. Do you remember the quote from Karl Marx? From each according to his ability to each according to his needs. The left insists that equality doesn't work in America because it leads to unequal results, which is racist. Democrats are now pushing equity as more fair because it tries to ensure equal results. Well, this flips the entire idea of the individual and America and liberty on its head. Over the last 50 years, the federal government has had a terrible track record with equity attempts. The U.S. has spent almost $20 trillion trying to achieve equity. And even though it hasn't been branded equity, it has been. Under LBJ, it was known as the Great Society. Those efforts only made uh, more of a mess. Listen to this from economist Thomas Sowell. This is back in 1981. I haven't been able to find a single country in the world where the policies that are being advocated for blacks in the United States have lifted any people out of poverty. I've seen many examples around the world of people who began in poverty and ended in affluence. Not one of them has followed any pattern at all like what is being advocated for blacks in the United States. Uh, Many groups have remained in poverty for a very long time trying to follow those patterns. Mm -hmm. Thomas Sowell was making a point 40 years ago that the government's equity efforts are useless. Rather than learning from mistakes, however, the left is doubling down on even more aggressive equity as a solution for America's racism. Equity efforts are now growing absurd to the point that they are ironically racist. Let me give you a couple examples. Oakland, California just began a guaranteed income program that gives $500 a month to around 600 low-income families. Sounds great. Equity? Yes. Unless you're a low-income white family. 
Wait, why are whites excluded? Oh, because, quote, white households in Oakland on average make three times as much annually than black households, according to the Oakland Equity Index, end quote. So, wait, you're not you're not going to provide the same assistance to a poor family that's white, even though they're just as poor as the black family, because the white family, the people in their race make too much money and ruin the overall white income average. That sounds like discrimination. Yes, it is. It's discrimination supposedly to undo past discrimination. Now, there is also the COVID-19 vaccine program in Seattle that is prioritizing black, indigenous and people of color to get the shot first. The African-American Reach and Teach Health Ministry that runs four vaccination sites in Seattle does not allow whites to book a vaccination appointment. If you're not a person of color, you have the option to join a standby list with the message. You'll be contacted when appointments become available. The vaccine provider explains that COVID-19 has disproportionately affected black and brown people at alarming rates, unveiling social and racial injustice, health inequities, and structural racism. Then there are the doctors from a Boston hospital that have developed a new plan called an anti-racist agenda for a medicine. This would offer preferential care based on race. That's a quote. It's a pilot program they've started at their hospital, which they admit is based on critical race theory. The doctors of the program call this corrective, again, discriminating as a means of addressing past discrimination. The individual be damned. The message of equity is insulting and condescending especially to groups it claims to be helping, specifically black Americans, when it comes to education, a topic I'm going to go into in depth on tomorrow's radio program. Last May, the University of California system announced it was ending the use of SATs in admissions for state residents. Why? Because according to the vice chair of the university board, it's a racist test. Now a thousand plus colleges have made the SAT optional or eliminated it. And the Virginia Department of Education is getting rid of accelerated math courses before 11th grade to improve equity in mathematics. Last spring, medical students at Columbia University demanded they stop being graded by their professors. I don't want a doctor who didn't want to grade. I'm not looking for an equal doctor. I'm looking for a good one, please. This is madness, and we all know it. After the break, I'll speak with a politician whose recent victory in North Carolina has shattered the left's narrative and exposed the real racism plaguing our nation. Let me tell you about Built Bar. I have kind of a sweet tooth, and there's nothing I love better than unwrapping a candy bar and eating it. Um, now I've been on diets before where you have these protein bars or Atkins bars or whatever, and they're awful. They're awful. These built bar, low calorie, low carb, high in protein, all the stuff my wife is concerned about and all the taste that I'm concerned about built bar is your answer. Grab and go. Look at the label. It's unbelievable, and they taste fantastic. Built Bar, 15% off. You use the promo code BECK15, BuiltBar.com. But we can't succeed in the future without reckoning with our past and, unfortunately, our present. We must face head-on the stark reality of systemic racism and how it hurts people and leaves them behind. That was North Carolina's Democratic governor. 
Roy Cooper is his name. He was delivering the state of the state in a speech last week. The man having to listen patiently just off the screen in that clip is North Carolina's new lieutenant governor. His name is Mark Robinson. He's a husband, a grandfather, army veteran, small, uh, former small business owner. He was a factory worker. He was the guy who shot to fame in 2018 when a video of his speech defending the Second Amendment in front of the Greensboro City Council went viral, had over 200 million views. It connected, and then he was elected in a nine-way race. He was elected to be the lieutenant governor. How does that happen when there's uh, systemic racism? We have uh, Mark with us now. Lieutenant Governor, how are you, sir? I'm good. It's an honor to be here. Thank I've you. watched you for many years, Glenn, so it's oh, an honor well. to be here. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's nice to have you. I watched your video, and, uh, I mean, it, it is, it's like we're living in two worlds. Um, I don't care what a person looks like, what they, who, even really who they vote for. It's the content of the character. And truth has been so perverted. When you hear somebody like you stand up for the truth, it doesn't matter that you were a factory worker. You were willing to speak the truth. And that's why you are now the lieutenant governor. How does that work in in your governor's world of systemic racism? Well, it works because our our governor's world of systemic racism is a fancy world. Uh, He is living in a complete uh, he is uttering complete falsehoods. He also stated during that speech that black people can't walk the streets without being afraid of being killed by police officers. Nothing could be further from the truth from what he spoke. A North Carolina system of government is not systemically racist. America's government system of government is not systemically racist. We have used our unique system of of government in this country to defeat racism time and time again. We defeated slavery with our system of government, our constitution. We defeated Jim Crow with our system of government, our Supreme Court. Our systems are not racist. They are, are the exact opposite of racist. They are what we use to fight racism. But in this fantasy world that leftists create, somehow our systems are, are, are leftists. When I look back at my history, the only systemic racism I see is the systemic racism that has been pushed by the Gem- Democratic Party in the past and the systemic, the live systemic racism that is being pushed by them now. Be careful. You're starting to sound eerily like Frederick Douglass. Um, talking about our our system, so so why then? I mean, I I read some Abraham Lincoln today, and he was saying, "Look, you know, we're all Americans." He said, "But thirty years ago, people wanted to divide, and so they've been slowly poisoning half of the country on these these lies." And now they have turned against the country because they knew without sugarcoating these lies, without uh, perverting things, you could never get American to turn on American. And now they are. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening right now. That's exactly what it's about. This is not about equality for them. It's not about justice. What this is about is what it's always about, control. Uh, Hmm. The purposes of trying to control people, to stay in power. Uh, when Jim Crow uh, was the standard in uh, the, the South, 
The, the purpose was control, to keep one group of people in power, the other pe group of people uh, under thumb. Uh, the same is true now. The only difference is now, instead of it being a black-white issue, it is a, a socialist, non-socialist issue. The socialists in this nation are fighting to be elites. They want to be on top. They want to be the people who tell you, you have to stay indoors during the pandemic, but they can go to the fancy restaurant and right. rent out the whole place while the pandemic is going on. That you can't open up your business or go to church, but they can travel all across the country and do whatever they want to do, uh, mask free. It's all about control. We cannot allow that to happen. That is not how this constitutional republic is supposed to work. And as patriots of this nation, at every strike, we need to stand up and make sure that we push back against that agenda. So in this speech that he gave on the state of state, he he didn't miss he didn't mention your historic uh, win. I mean, it was historic in multiple ways. But I mean, truly a story of a guy who's just lived his life the right way. You were a factory worker. And now you're the lieutenant governor. You would think that you would tell that story. Do you think if he if you were a Democrat, do you think he would have told that story? Uh, I, I'm sure he would have uh, if I had been a Democrat. And that's the thing that's so distressing about this is the fact that the reason why I believe it didn't happen was because of politics. You know, we should celebrate the good things that happen in our state and in, in this country, no matter what the politics look like. And by the way, my opponent in the general election was a black female. So you had uh, two black people vying for the second high seat uh, in the state, and it is not recognized during the state of the state speech by a governor who says he cares so much about equality. You know, I simply I don't care about the governor acknowledging me. What I want the governor to acknowledge is the fact that North Carolina has come a long way and has done wonderful things and continues to do wonderful things and stop characterizing our state and our nation as a racist place because it is not. I've got about 30 seconds. Can you tell me why H.R. 1, the voting bill you've called despicable? It is despicable because it is, again, not about justice, not about equality, not about fairness, not about voting rights. It is about control, about keeping one side of the aisle in control indefinitely, which is not what the founders intended and not what the American people of this constitutional republic need. We need to push back against that with everything that we have. And I intend to make sure that North Carolina is protected from the wilds of these folks that are trying to do that. I feel like I want to call you Mark, but out of respect for your position, Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. It's been God, a pleasure. God bless. There is another country that all of this has been tried recently, and it has devastated the nation. Stop Venezuela um, will tell you about it in an upcoming episode that you do not want to miss. Please tell a friend. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.